Good evening and welcome to Box Office Time Machine, fellow time travelers. Oh my goodness. Uh, I am Veronica Yarowski. I am John Bershat. Veronica, we just traveled through time the natural way. Whoa. <laughs> are we real time travelers because of that? We are. What that means is we just went from 2018 to 2019. And as you can tell, guys, we're doing a 2018 greatest and worst movie countdown episode. Yay, oh. said people, I'm sure, <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> you know what that means. We didn't want to see Aquaman. Doo doo. <laughs> Well, yeah, so as John referred, alluded to earlier, uh, we are going to do uh, a special uh, 2018 uh, wrap-up podcast where we're going to talk about movies we actually liked, not necessarily movies that were number one in the box office. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> on this podcast, we don't always talk about movies we like. In fact, we frequently do not. But uh, uh, today we're going to be talking about a bunch of movies we really do like, um, as well as, just to keep things regular, a bunch of movies that were terrible. Yeah. And, I mean, if nothing else, dear listener, this would allow you to get to know us better. Yes, I think that's the most important part. We realize we've moved into a new year, and you guys really need to know us. And the only way to really get to know a person is to know what their choice for best musical moment of the year is. (laughs) When I used to have pen pals when I was little, the first letter that I would send a pen pal would be just like a list of things I liked. (laughs) I think, yeah. Yeah, well, consider this our audio pen pal letter to you, dear reader. Exactly. And so we can get through everything. So what we're going to talk about today, we are going to list our top 10 movies of 2018. We are going to list our bottom three movies of 2018. That's enough. And we're also going to list a bunch of other uh, superlatives like the uh, aforementioned favorite musical moment of the year. Mm -hmm. And to keep things moving, we are going to set a time limit. We cannot in any category, any movie go over three minutes or else this sound will play. And yes, I spent 10 minutes going through the sounds of my phone, <laughs> deciding which one we'd be using. So, John, without further ado, let's let's give this a whirl. All right. So our first, uh, first, we're going to start off. We're going to start things off with best performance. And while I get our timer going, why don't you do our first one of the day? Uh, all right. So I cheated and listed three, but I will talk about one and then a full <laughs> half time. I'll talk about others. Uh, my favorite performance of the year was by Olivia Coleman and the favorite Very as good. Queen Anne. Uh, I'm a big fan of Olivia Coleman's previous work, mostly in Hot Fuzz. I was going to say uh, she is 
remarkably good. Oh, this oh, is your super- three minutes. I was gonna- yeah. No, it's our three minutes oh, yeah. to talk about best performances. Oh, yes. Well, I was going to say, do you prefer her dramatic work or her comedic work? Uh, I think I prefer her. I like her as a comedic actress, but I feel like that's why she worked really well in The Favorite because mm. I feel like her performance as the queen is so seeped in comedy. And I feel like if she was not as gifted a comedian as she is, that performance would have probably been, I don't know, probably more sad and maudlin as opposed to what it ended up being, which is like this very, I don't know, freaky and weirdo <laughs> of a queen, I guess. Do you, um, do you think, this is just, so we're recording this as the Golden Globes are about to begin. True. Do you think she's best actress or do you think she's uh, best actress or supporting actress? She, so I've I, debated this with people. Oh, well, I know that she is nominated for best actress. Would you have listed her? I would have listed her as supporting because yeah. I would argue that it's a uh, Rachel Vice. Probably I would accept a double uh, header, I guess, hander yeah. with uh, Emma Stone. But yeah, I think she's definitely a supporting role. What I, is your? I agree with that. My best performance of the year went to Regina Hall Ooh. in the movie Support the Girls. I like that movie. Uh, everyone should support the movie Support the Girls because not enough people saw it. And it's a really great movie uh, by Andrew Bajowski, who's great. And Regina Hall plays the lead. She's the manager of a Hooters type restaurant in Texas. Um, and she is just truly wonderful. Um uh, yeah, and if you know her as I primarily do from the Scary Movie <laughs> franchise. It's an identical performance. No, you would just be, I was very, I mean, yeah, I now this is damning her with fame praise, and I thought she was super, super good. Mm. Uh, like, But she's definitely has way more range than you would have thought if the only place, other place you saw her in was Scary Movie. This, uh, that I would say is one of the most just, human movies i saw this True, year yeah. and uh all uh, everyone in that movie is good but uh regina hall is on camera nearly the entire film and i just thought she was exceptional she was really good um and we have six seconds left so i'm gonna say uh it's, it's, also the, the little girl in eighth grade was great and tilda swinton <laughs> as a man <laughs> boing all right moving on all right so next up our next category is Biggest surprise. So, John, why won't you start it first since I cannibalized the time in the previous superlative? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Um, but speaking of cannibals, Ooh. my biggest surprise was Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Venom. Um, now, I so this is I don't uh, I, I was lamenting that I wasn't that surprised this year. I saw a lot of movies that I expected to like and I liked them. I saw a lot of movies that I didn't expect to like and I didn't like them. Uh, so Venom is certainly not a movie I loved. You can listen to our Venom episode, but I liked it way more than I thought I would. And I I really hope that they learned from that, the things that really worked, because it was the dumber the movie got, the better it got. And if they take that lesson from it, I will be very excited to see Venom 2. Look, it had a, uh, uh, oh, you know what? I, I might mention a special scene for that movie <laughs> later in our list. So let's just say, God, the end of 2018, I'm going to have Venom twice in my end of the year list. Hey, you know what? It was a quality movie. 
Uh, that was actually in my uh, long list for that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But my surprise was another movie that was forced to watch by America. <laughs> and it was the new Halloween. Oh, I yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I might have enjoyed it even more than the original Halloween, which is crazy. The sum total <laughs> of all the Halloween movies I've seen. Uh, yeah, I thought it was very scary and fun. And I like the idea of the reversal of Laurie going after mm-hmm. uh, Michael Myers. Uh, and yeah, I thought it all like it was a really fun movie that re- did a really good job of just building on top of the original and sort of ignoring everything that came in between. Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about this in, in the Halloween episode, uh, but I really liked the first and third acts and not so much the second. Not a fan of the kids. Uh, I just thought, um, I can't remember what we talked about after the podcast or in that episode, but uh, uh, I think lose the podcast from those part, lose the sheriff. It should have, the second act should have been, Lori and um, her daughter, Judy Greer's character, driving around in a car looking for the daughter, the granddaughter together just to, in a way to better connect the grandchildren, the teen storyline with their storyline. And, you know, more Judy Greer. Any movie. More yeah. Judy Greer. Say goodbye to these. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I think about whenever I see her face. I'm sure a lot of people say that. <laughs> and I'm sure she loves it every time she hears it. I wonder how often she gets it to her face. Do you, you wonder how many times strangers flash Judy Greer on the street? Yeah. I wonder if that has happened ever. Well, you know what uh, What I say anytime someone flashes me on the street? I go... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all right, we'll edit the silence out. <laughs> not only was that not a good joke, it took way long. Those three seconds were way longer than I thought. Wow. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to now bring a little downward. Uh, that was biggest surprise. Unfortunately, our first negative category of the day. Biggest disappointment. Veronica, lead us off. Uh, my biggest disappointment was Widows. Uh, oh. It is a movie that... It was probably one of the top movies I was looking forward to this year. And I love a heist movie. I really enjoyed the work of uh, Steve McQueen. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of high hopes for that one. The cast was amazing. Um, The trailers made it seem a lot cooler than it Mm -hmm. ended up being. It ended up being more melodramatic than I expected. The action sequences were not as exciting as I thought. Um, Carrie Coon was not as involved as I wanted her to be. Um, more Carrie Coon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just did not. Yeah, it did not really click for me. Really wanted to like it a lot more than I ended up liking. I have not yet seen it, but I know a lot of people really liked it. But it's recently I've heard a few people who are uh, more on your side. Yeah, I yeah, I feel kind of bad shitting on it and I don't think that I am really shitting on it, but yeah. I really no, wanted you're really to like taking it to Yeah, task, I'm sorry. Man. I'm just you're like fucking so ripping violent. it to shreds. Also, Viola Davis's character name is Veronica, which I really appreciate. That which makes me even sadder. Yeah, I know. So uh, yeah, that was my pick. All right. Uh mine is my first of two movies I saw streaming. Uh, this year, and this was one of the earliest movies I saw this year. Uh, oh boy, a futile and stupid gesture. 
Oh. The David Wayne movie for Netflix about um, the founding of the National Lampoon magazine. Mm-hmm. This movie should have been my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I am a huge fan of David Wayne. I am someone who collects, ha- has collected all the National Lampoon magazines from the 1970s. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but I think, well, here's the main problem. Like, first, I like. I mean, they haven't aged well. They're more interesting as artifacts, except for the 1964 yearbook, one of the greatest books ever written. But, um, but the problem with this movie is they chose to try to make it a biopic of one person when it really should have been the story of the founding of the magazine. Mm-hmm. I it's it just didn't work. Their attempts to like shake up the fucking biopic formula ended up just feeling weird and forced, and it just felt like a lame biopic and. I love everyone in the cast. I mean, it stars Will Forte, one of my favorite comedic actors on earth. Um, God, I wanted to like this movie and I just did not. I have not seen it. And one of the reasons why is because the reviews have been brutal. (laughs) This is one like when people say like, oh, I got to see every Marvel movie no matter what. I've got to see this. I had to see this movie, even though I had a bad feeling and. Uh oh! Oh no! Oh boy! Is, are those uh, those goofs from the National Lampoon office? Uh. Plans? Is John Belushi in here? It's got Goofy <laughs> with these boingings. This was a boing, perfect boing, sound boing. effect. We we chose the right one. Yeah, we did a good job. This is <laughs> much like all of our choices tonight. This was a good choice. Uh, so moving right along. Uh, sort of a companion category for uh, the biggest disappointment is uh, the movie that you think is the most overrated movie of the year. John, take us away. Oh, boy. Um, let's just say for my Halloween costume this year, <laughs> oh I went as in my <laughs> a character who I believe is one of the worst characters <laughs> to ever be on a movie screen in 2018. The one, the only Jackson Maine. A drunk Frankenstein who forces a woman to marry him from the movie A Star is Born. I think I've gone on digressions in this podcast before about how I. This movie was not terrible. This was not the worst movie ever. There were certainly good things in this movie, um, but there was also so much garbage. And I don't know. I really don't think. uh, writer director star Bradley Cooper realized how shitty Jackson Maine is. Obviously, he's supposed to be a man in decline. Listen, but... I don't think Bradley Cooper realizes how shitty Bradley Cooper is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, that's that's a Veronica take. That's um, I I've not seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it. Oh my god. I'm gonna touch your nose all the time. We're gonna get married. Eddie Griffin's officiating. I peed myself. Fuck that movie. I hated it. <laughs> uh, my pick is a uh, burning, which seems like a weird pick. To so this is a Korean mm. movie. It's on paper a thriller, but there's so much around it that I would not really call it that. I feel like. This movie got almost universal praise, I believe. It's on most critics' uh, top ten lists, if like for and on multiple ones, it's number one. Uh, I would say that if that movie was in English, it was not would not be as highly rated as it is. Um, there are a lot of interesting and good stuff in it. 
I f- but I feel like the lead performance, it should be of a guy who's sort of this, I don't know, sort of like shy, introverted dude. But it comes off as sort of like slack jawed and boring. And I really did not like watching that performance. Um, and it's two and a half hours where the plot of the movie, it said most an hour. And I feel like, yeah, it could have benefited from better ending, uh, better editing. So, yeah, just burning. Kind of boring. <laughs> Neither of us saw the other person's most overrated movie. Yeah. And we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're not even making it to these have been talked about enough. So we're not even making it to the boing. Let's move on. Um, OK, now it's time to begin our top 10. All right. Uh, we are going to do 10 through five here. Um, through six. Oh, 10 through six. <laughs> sure. Yeah, whatever. We rehearsed this, Joe. This is our most organized episode yet. So far. By yeah. so far. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're going to uh, do these. There will probably be tons of overlap. Um, right. Veronica has not seen my list. Uh, Veronica posted her list on Facebook, Sorry. but I did not read it, so I haven't seen it. <laughs> so uh, there's probably going to be a bunch of overlap. But hey, that's going to be fun. That's so let's um, let's start things off with number 10. Go, Veronica. Uh, my number 10 is uh, The Death of Stalin mm. by Armando Iannucci. Uh yeah, so for those who are not in the know, it's uh, an adaptation of a comic book uh, about the, I suppose it's not the reimagining, it's just the imagining <laughs> of what went down when uh, Stalin finally died and his fellow comrades kind of scrambled to take over whilst pretending to be in severe mourning. Uh, If you're familiar with Yanucci's work and stuff like The Thick of It, uh, Veep, uh, In the Loop, uh, you would know that he is very good with dialogue that uses and that uses very creative cursing (laughs) mechanisms. And this movie is no stranger to that. Everyone maintains their accent. So there's no like weird Russian speak. And it's very dark, uh, but it's super funny. And I would really recommend it. Oh, great. Uh, my number 10 is actually the Avengers colon Infinity War. Ooh. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, arguably, uh, no, I, arguably like like Black Panther is a better superhero film this year. Um, uh, but um, I saw this movie in a packed house opening weekend and there were a lot of uh, uh, children uh, in the audience and at the ending of the movie, um, a lot of them gasped and just like waves of gasps as that ending continued. And I was just thinking like, as I, as I, as that happened, like, oh, this is like, these are the preeminent blockbuster mass pop culture films of this generation. These children will remember the ending of this movie for decades to come, this is their end of the Empire Strikes Back. And I got to say, look, the, the the Marvel product is, you know, gross in so many ways. The Disney owning all of entertainment is gross. <laughs> but at the end of the day, for what this movie accomplished and how many characters had in it, it was still shockingly good. Do you think the reason why the children were saddened by it <laughs> is because they <laughs> don't can... know that sequels exist? <laughs> um. 
Yeah, no, I mean, in a way, yeah, I, I think, uh, yes, in a way that is true. But even I'm like, there were some adults who were shocked as well. Um, but yeah, I just think, like, it for for the superhero movie for the culmination of their uh, ten years of Marvel stuff. Um, it did everything it was supposed to do uh, the same way the first Avengers did and definitely not the way the second Avengers did. Boy, that movie fucking sucked. All right. Number nine. What's your number nine? John? All right. I will go first once I find my <laughs> list here. My number nine changing up uh, quite a bit is the movie Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is uh a uh, movie on the list, which I can't say I enjoyed watching. <laughs> um, but this movie, uh, similar to how those children reacted to the end of end of uh, Infinity War, uh, I reacted to, without spoiling anything, the a, first 30 minutes of the movie. Well, a thing that happens yeah. about 30 to 45 minutes into the movie. And I, you know, I'd heard how scary this movie was. That was the moment when I was like, oh, this is scary in a much different way. And it's hard to talk about without spoiling. One of my worst, most personal, horrible fears happens in that movie. And then they just live in it for like 20 minutes. It is just truly horrifying. And while I thought the last 15 minutes were a bit of a letdown, um, I thought the performances, uh, particularly from Tony Collette and the uh, actor who plays her son, the guy from Jumanji, I uh, forgot his name. Apology. Wrong Dwayne words. The Rock Johnson. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought those performances were just great. Uh, um, uh, just a, a very upsetting a horror movie that's deeply, deeply upsetting. Fair enough. Uh, my number nine pick is The Favorite, mm. already briefly discussed. Uh, yeah, so I would... I mean... This is not, this is not like a level Yargos Lanthimos, I would say, but it was a super entertaining movie uh, anchored by, I would say probably four really super strong performances. The three women mentioned- Nicholas Holt? And Nicholas oh. Holt, who I thought was super strong and great. Um, yeah, just, it had some- just such like weird, delightful scenes that I loved. The weird dance scenes, <laughs> the weird skeet shooting scenes, so much sexy times. The rabbits, the fate to rabbits was lovely. Um, and just the story itself, which is it's based on a true historical event or you know, sequence of events. And I thought the story was super great, too. But I think mostly the performances and, uh, yeah, sort of the scenes were the highlights. It was interesting. I went home for the holidays and, like, all of my family has seen this movie. I think it's, like, really, it's the costume drama, which, like, Americans are taught to think of as art. And then it's also, like, people think it's edgy. I, like, people are seeing this movie. So many people are seeing this movie who did not see uh, uh, the lobster, oh. um, which I think is great, even though, but they should see the lobster because I love the lobster more. Yeah, the lobster is way better. Uh, uh, moving on. Moving on. Number eight. My number eight pick is Mission Impossible colon Fallout. Uh, I'm, I guess I've gone on record off pod 
uh, <laughs> saying that this is my favorite action movie franchise. Uh, and I might be there with you. And uh, yeah, I think that along with the Fast and Furious are delight me like no other <laughs> franchise. Uh, and I thought this was uh, sort of a return to the highs of Ghost Protocol. I I thought the what was the one in between? What was it called? Uh, Wait, this was Fallout. So, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation was pretty fun, but coming from the high of Ghost Protocol, I thought it was kind of a letdown. And this one was definitely another highlight in the franchise. So many ways Tom Cruise gets punched <laughs> at falls. He does insane stunts as always. I saw it in 3D or not in 3D in IMAX. And that was, as always, a phenomenal experience to see something of that scale. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I uh, I love the Mission Impossible series as well. This movie nipping at my top 10. However, mm. this is the first Mission Impossible movie that straight up just doesn't have a, a good heist scene. Yeah, no There's good no heist good scene. There's no good heist set piece, and that's that's what I'm there for. Give me my dangling from a dangling in an all white room for no reason. Yeah, that Mission is Impossible true. One will always be my favorite. Ghost oh, really? Protocol. Ghost Protocol close. is mine. But yeah, I I I liked uh, five more, and I think a part of that is because I gave Rebecca Ferguson better stuff to do, and I really like her, and I don't love her character just being a lame romantic interest or whatever i, I yeah, don't yeah the romantic interest in tom cruise movies are very very un like of uh, what's the word <laughs> keep I'm ethan for? hunt asexual that's yeah exactly i feel like it's just awkward i guess all right we're going into my time so um uh, my number eight is sorry to bother you Ooh. um boots riley's a uh, uh, a great uh comedy uh surreal comedy about um uh capitalism uh, about all just a ton of stuff um uh with a wonderful lead performance by lakeith stanfield um this is a, a movie he's been uh, boots riley's been trying to get made for about a decade uh i've listened to this the album which he uh based on an earlier screenplay and came out years ago it's great um, while I don't love the end of this movie, which I guess I say a lot about <laughs> these movies, uh, there's so much invention and right. just just the excitement of good satire in, in this movie. Uh, it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie quite a bit, much like Mission Impossible for you. <laughs> it did not make my top ten. All right. Okay. Shut All right. Up. What's okay. your number seven pick, John? My number seven. Uh, oh my god! I keep the thing keeps scrolling up when I go to look. My number seven. Ooh, this is a a, a weird or small choice. This is my other streaming pick. Oh no! Ooh. Oh, I have three streaming picks. Um, this one. This podcast is brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> well, this one is. I think it's with Netflix. This is a smaller movie called uh, Cam C A M, mm. uh, and it is a uh, a kind of horror movie about um, uh, about a webcam girl. A uh, uh, cam girl. Um, one of the writers actually was a cam girl um, for a while, and she's been trying to write a movie about it for a while. And found that um, the best way to get across the idea she was going for was through a horror movie. The idea of this is a cam girl um, one day gets locked out of her account, but finds someone that looks identical to her is on her account uh, streaming. Um, and while I don't think 
I think the slice of life stuff that was probably from earlier versions of the screenplay she wrote uh, kind of battles with the horror elements a bit. I think they could have gone a little further with the horror stuff. The slice of life stuff is great. And the whole horror concept of uh, your online persona being a version of you that you don't have full control over is a, a, a metaphor that I think resonates with all of us, whether we are cam girls or not. Um, so uh, uh, great movie, uh, great lead performance. Check it out. Ooh, this kind of reminds me of Lindsay Lohan's I Know Who Killed Me. It's identical in every way. If you're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number seven pick is uh, an- another streaming pick, actually. Whoa, dude. Times I think, are changing. I think this is my first, though. Um, it's uh, Private Life. Uh, starring Katherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti. Uh, it's about a couple who are desperately trying to have a baby by any means, you know, non-crime possible. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of, and it's probably the most honest depiction. I mean, this is coming from someone who does not have kids or has tried to conceive, but it seemed like a super honest look at all that people who are not fortunate enough to just get knocked mm. up go through. <laughs> um, and But while being very honest, it is also funny and it's not depressing. It's So the story is basically this couple who are trying to conceive have, like, by a stroke, just have this niece of theirs stay with them for a while and she's just a, this opinionated girl and they suggest to her that she would they would use her over uh, eggs to conceive, and that's basically the story. Um, but yeah, it's a great movie. Check it out. That's the sound of fertile eggs bouncing <laughs> around a womb. Yeah, I'm sure right. I did not describe it well, but please check it out. It's quite great. All right, we are up to number six. All right, my number six pick is Isle of Dogs. A Wes Anderson stop motion movie about an Isle of Dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I I mean, I suppose this is only the second Wes Anderson movie that was a stop motion um, one. And I like it just as much as I did the previous one, which was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I thought all the dogs were adorable <laughs> and had, you know, such distinct personalities and I mean, I just like, I don't know, just like his depiction of Japan was so weird and odd. I'm pretty sure it wasn't racist. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it just it, it it seemed to come from a very like fond and, uh, you know, reverential place. And obviously, you know, it's a card sort of an animated movie, so it is somewhat sappy in the end, but in a good way, because it's a boy reuniting with a dog, and that's great. <laughs> hey, uh, let's call this the animation number, because I'm going to go with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Whoa, you're going to go with him into that? I'm going to go with That's him. so dangerous. I, I'm going to go with Spider-Man. <laughs> well, people don't realize that I am the real world, of the, our universe's Spider-Man. Oh, we, so we failed. I have to go. <laughs> we are shortchanged. <laughs> it's Spider-Man Noir, Miles Morales, Peyne Parker, and me. What uh, would be your name? Uh, just the spectacular John Bershad. This has uh, nothing to do with Spider. Hey, don't don't diss my name, or the universe will uh, Uncle Ben you. Oh. Um, 
Uh, I, this movie was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about this in a recent episode. The animation is wonderful. The characters are great. The vocal performances are great. This is just, um, I mean, as much as as impressed as I was by the Avengers' ability to put 8,000 characters in one cohesive story and make it work. The ability, well, half of a story. Half of the story. <laughs> the ability of this movie to find an, a new way to do a, a Spider-Man movie, a, a new way to do a superhero origin story, a way to do the absurd multiverse sci-fi story and have it all still work as a Miles Morales story. This was just a great movie. I liked it, too. It almost made my top ten, but it did not. All right. Okay. We didn't make it to the Boing. We're saving time. All right, John. Let's Ooh. move on to another superlative interlude. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So we're going to take a break from our top ten and wrap up our superlatives list. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is that a little music right there? Whoa. Is that a little segue right there? <laughs> we mentioned it at the top of the show. This is favorite musical moment Ooh. of 2018. Um, mine was easy. Uh, mine was from um, uh, the Coen Brothers' Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is um, uh, the song When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings. <laughs> Which is the song that wraps up uh, the the opening story of that anthology. Um, that anthology, uh, probably the most quote unquote fun of the movie. That uh, story, uh, quite uh, the most fun of the anthology. But um, this song's my favorite song in the movie. There are a number of songs, and it's also the part that ties kind of that story into the themes of the rest of the movie. And it's just. It's visually great. It's oodles of fun. Oh, I, I've listened to this song so many times since then. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson's got a great voice. It's a... Gotta love this song. Yeah, it's a great way to start a movie. I really enjoy that, too. Uh, mine... Well, I'm gonna quickly do... I'm gonna quickly cheat all somewhat. And I'm gonna say that uh, David Ehrlich, uh, the movie critic, compiles... Uh, list uh he edits a video mm -hmm. of his top movies every year and he sets them to music from usually from that for songs that were in other movies uh that same year and he edited the clip of mission impossible fallout with shallow from a star is born <laughs> and it works so fucking well and it gave me goosebumps every time <laughs> every time every time tom cruise falls or gets like hit like the drums and shallow come in and it works so well. You should check it out. If a star is born was about uh, <laughs> Ethan Hunt and Rebecca Ferguson's character, it would have been such a better movie. But my real pick is uh, Suspiria. Mm. Uh, and it is the scene where uh, a talented dancer, Susie played by Dakota Johnson uh, dances for Tilda Swinton, just as in an adjacent room, the Russian dancer Olga gets contorted out of shape uh, in uh, very gruesome ways. Um, and it's set to Tom York Marvelous Score. I'm mm. a fan of the band. Uh, and yeah, I thought that was one of several very good musical scenes in that movie. I would argue that movie needed a lot more because anytime there was no sort of... Uh, 
interplay between the music and the visuals, I felt the movie kind of lagged and slowed. But the highs of that movie are when in the dance sequences or in the incorporation of the music with the visuals, much like in the original. And yeah, I thought that was really, really good. I'm on that. Both of our favorite musical moments involve horrific deaths. That is very true. All, All right. right. Moving on. This is a fun one. This is uh, the next category is. Um, oh, no. Uh, this is well, this is a good one. The next category is. It's just, not a fun one. It's a good it's one. It's just a good one. I, I was skipping ahead. The next category is just a regular category. But this is a biggie. This is just favorite scene. Uh, so, yeah. So my. Well, I guess it's scene of the year. I guess. I is there know. a difference? I don't know. I suppose not. Uh, so I would start with uh, the scene from eighth grade. Mm. It's the truth or dare slash backseat scene. Uh, this, oh, God. Yeah. I thought so. It's not a scene I like. Oh, so this is why you didn't want to say favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it so in the scene, for those who have not seen it, uh, Kayla has been hanging out with these cooler older kids. Uh, they were just hanging out at a mall. It was two boys and the girl who she met at her orientation for high school. And one of the boys vol- uh, volunteers to drop her off last at her house. And instead of doing that, he starts a very suggestive uh, game of truth or dare with her. He ends up coming back to sit with her in the back seat. It is so hard to watch. I <laughs> Like, I did not want a director to cut more since Zodiac. (laughs) Like, I thought that, I don't know, it was, there was just something so familiar in that scene. I feel like most women uh, have been in that situation, whether it was at that age or since. Um, It was so familiar. It was done so well. The fact that she ends up apologizing to him is heartbreaking uh, that scene was so well observed, and yeah, I thought that was a scene of the year. Yeah, that was a great scene. If you had said scene in the year, I'd see. I almost went with the car scene from Hereditary, <laughs> um, but instead, I the text said favorite scene. Sorry, so I'm going as far away from both of those scenes as possible. Um, this is also from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is uh, one of, one of the sweetest scenes I saw all year. This is. The marriage proposal in that movie. Um, so without spoilers, I guess I, well, I don't know. What can we, this is from the, the story, the fifth story of the movie, which is uh, the girl who got rattled. That, I gotta say that was my least favorite of them, but. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh man, that's my favorite. <laughs> oh, oh, well, oh, we should have talked about that movie. I bet we will. <laughs> uh, well, this is um, Zoe Kazan and oh my God, I feel bad. I, I forgot the actor's name. Um, but they are uh, traveling across the country and um, she's in dire straits and they start uh, hanging out. Uh, they start hanging out. He's very sweet and he very awkwardly proposes to her later in the storyline. And um, they're both uh, lovely in the, the scene. And uh, I just liked it. It was just a, one of those scenes where I was just like, I like these people. Yeah, I didn't have anything against the characters. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, now that we talked about the scene of the year, let's talk about another good scene, but a good scene in an otherwise bad movie. 
And I guess I'll start. And I will choose Hereditary. Oh. <laughs> uh, I am not, I guess as a preface, I am not a fan of horror movies where the horror is ghosts of or spirits or the supernatural. Um, so, but for the first hour, Hereditary did grip me quite a bit. Uh, and that was mostly due, I'm just going to spoil it. Uh, sorry, you could have seen Hereditary for almost a year now. You got at least uh, within two minutes, we'll be done. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, the son uh, drives back from a party uh, very quickly because the sister that his mother forced him to take with him as a tag along ate some peanuts or something that she was allergic to. And so he is racing to take her back home because she is having an allergic reaction. She is desperately trying to breathe. So she uh, gets her head out of the window to gasp for some more air. Uh, There is something on the road. The sun swerves. And then there's a thunk. And we just sit and we focus on his face and knowing what happened but not really until the next scene visualizing (laughs) in fact what did um and yeah that scene was really good and i really love that they just like dealt with it in the movie and i was kind of disappointed that it then took a turn to the supernatural yeah but you so you still you still thought it was a bad movie though yeah, because I really, I don't know, I guess it, that scene stood out so far mm-hmm. outside like the movie that I thought this was a worthy entry. All right. So, um, wow, calling a, a movie from my top 10 list a bad movie. Sorry, we're That's no okay. longer friends. I'm going to call a bad movie a movie I listed as biggest surprise of the year. <laughs> as much as Venom surprised me, I still wouldn't call it a good movie, but I will call the Lady Venom scene, <laughs> the best scene in a dumb movie. I said Venom got better the dumber it got, and there was nothing more wonderfully dumb than the scene in which Michelle Williams puts on the Venom symbiote, and then Venom appears to make out with Eddie Brock, <laughs> and it's sexy Venom. Oh my god, it was fucking insane. And uh, I don't know what else to say, except I want. I wish that whole movie was as fucking stupid and insane as this scene. There's always the sequel. All right, moving on. Let's flip it. This time, this is a worst scene in a good movie. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm going to, again, do. I'm going to do a scene, a movie you've already talked about. Um, this would be Halloween, uh, the mm-hmm. new Halloween, which, again, I liked a lot of. But one scene I did not like was the stupid cops talking about food scene (laughs) why was that in the movie who fucking knows people love pulp fiction it's in the zeitgeist oh my uh there were there were two scenes i thought where um uh the movie brought in comedy super awkwardly um the first was a scene where they had an adorable little boy and he had a really great moment with the babysitter performances of both the the actress playing the babysitter and the young uh, actor playing the, the the boy were great and then when a murder happened they cut back to the boy for a comedic reaction shot <laughs> like it's fucking the little rascals uh that was bad but this scene towards the end of the movie where for no reason we go and sit with two police officers we've never met before and listen to them talk about like 
diets or something? I think it was literally like they called this. It was like the Royale with cheese of that. Yeah, it's so clearly that, but yeah. with... Yeah, I'll let I just don't say remember not exactly. John Tr- like I don't know. These actors might be lovely, but these characters are not Jules and uh, what the f- uh, I want to say Jules and Vern, which I think are the, <laughs> the sons. They're from not Jules Back and Vern. <laughs> oh yeah, Vern. what is John Travolta's character name? Fuck. Uh, Jules and um. Oh, Vincent. Vincent, yes. Vincent Vega. Uh, yeah. This I this was silly. Uh, my uh choice is uh the threesome scene from Tully. <laughs> I actually really liked Tully, uh, and but there is a scene in the movie which I suppose in retrospect makes sense if you know the twist. But watching it, it was like I didn't even know Tully has a twist. Oh, boy. I haven't seen Tully. You should check it out. It's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it, though there are a lot of haters for that. Uh, but so there is a scene where uh, Shirley Theron's overworked new mom and her life savior of a babysitter are just trying to like spice things up for her husband who was mostly useless by dressing up in sexy clothes and having a threesome with him surprising him with a threesome uh it was unnecessary it was awkward (laughs) and i did not need to see it wasn't that same actress in the excellent weird threesome scene from blade runner 2029 uh so it's uh, Mackenzie, what's uh, the woman from uh, uh, fuck, uh, that Black Mirror episode, uh, oh. San Junipero? It's that one. Mackenzie Davis. So she's Tully, uh, Shirley Saren. Yeah, she's from Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Okay. That's a great threesome scene. Well, it's not in Tully. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. Yeah, she's got a a, a fantastic uh, repertoire for some scenes. Well, maybe that's something she's going for. <laughs> uh, special skills on her resume. Threesomes um, and more. Uh, okay, great. Uh, I feel that feels weird that I said that about that actress. She was great in what I've seen her in. I lo- loved her in Blade Runner. That's one of my favorite scenes of last year. Okay. John. Boing, 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 boing. We have talked a lot about movies from this year. Mm. But what was... A favorite movie of yours from a previous year that was new to you in 2018? Uh, well, somehow I, well, I guess it, it happened again, but um, somehow I had not seen Creed. Um, and with Creed 2 coming out and me having just seen and loved uh, Black Panther, I said, now's time. So I went and caught up with Creed. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, like it's, I, I would say definitely the second best in the Rocky series. Um, I wouldn't put it at the heights of the first Rocky. Um, but I think a, a lot of that is that the novelty of the, the, the formulas weren't a bit thin, but, uh, Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan did a fantastic job of taking the themes of the original Rocky taking the things that make that movie work so well and bringing it into a new era. Um, I haven't seen Rocky two, uh, Creed two, um, but uh, I thought Creed one was very good. Yay. I've not seen any Rocky movie. Wow. I don't like boxing movies that much, but I would have seen Creed. It just like didn't happen. <laughs> um, my uh, movie uh, is Obvi- Obvious Childs. Uh, oh, yeah. Jenny Slate's, I think, 
writing debut? Uh, like screenwriting? Wait, did she? I thought she that? was involved in creating it somehow. But if she wasn't, then I'm, I'm looking sorry. It up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that movie was wonderful. It was just a very real and funny depiction of a very specific relationship. The director wrote it. The director wrote it. Oh, well, fuck me then. Uh, but yeah, I thought that movie was very, felt very real while still being funny and great. Um, I saw Landline, another one uh, that is a collaboration by them. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, which was as good. Uh, I haven't seen that. That's like the one in the 90s about yes. the divorce. Yeah. I thought it was really good, too. Uh, yeah, just Jenny Slade is so great. She's such a natural at just being like a cool girl, but not, you know, in like an obvious way. Well, <laughs> how a lot of actresses are trying to be a cool girl. She's sort of like effortlessly cool, but relatable still. And I think it's like a great talent and she's wonderful and that movie is great check it out i gotta catch up with landline um but yeah i loved obvious child i, I saw that when it came out uh it was one of my favorites of that year yay all right okay um that wraps up our superlatives now it's back into our top 10 we are at number five john what is your number five movie my number five has already been mentioned by you it is the favorite Ooh. um so it's more of your favorite than my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I feel very similarly to uh, to it about uh, about it to you. Um, I would not in, in the out of the the Lanthimos movies I've seen, um, The Lobster is one of my favorite movies of all time. Dogtooth is sh- right behind that. Um, I would put this. Neck, I, I would put this a little ahead of Killing of a Sacred Deer, although I like the Killing of a Sacred Deer a lot. But I still, I've liked all of the, his movies that I've seen. I haven't seen all of his uh, Greek films. There's a retrospective at Lincoln Center. Okay, well, we're going to leave right now. We'll return. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I thought uh, the favorite was uh, very, in, very interesting. Um, I thought the story was really interesting. Um, but like you, uh, you said, the, the real star, the the, all the lead performances are so great, um, and uh, and all the weird Lanthimosy touches, like the bizarre dancing. It was yeah. it was a complete package. It was very very fun. Yay! Yeah, that movie is super fun, and I'm glad a lot of people who might not have seen a movie by him are checking this out. Yeah, it's it seems like cool. a, just a lot of movies. Maybe for all we know, as we speak, it's uh, racking up Golden Globes. Yeah, please don't spoil it for us, dear (laughs) listener. Uh, My number five is a cheat, and I have two movies. Oh, okay, we should say. number five. uh, We uh, said we are allowed one one tie. Yes. Uh, So mine... Oh, and I didn't use mine. Oh, I'm sorry, but I did. And mine (laughs) is, uh, it's a tie between Shirkers and Three Identical Strangers, two documentaries. Uh, Both of them are either about sort of similarly about either a life not lived or something that was kind of stolen from the the lead, I suppose, as much as there are lead characters in a documentary's younger selves. Uh, so Three Identical Strangers is just a straight up thriller mystery. And I really, really enjoyed it. It's a fascinating story. I will not spoil it. Please check it out. Shirkers is more of like 
an emotional choice. It it is about these super weirdo cool girls from Singapore who set out to make a movie in the 90s and they end up doing it and from the footage doing a pretty cool job and then their footage is stolen by their supposed mentor and it's their exploration into why and how he did that and how that impacted their trajectories in life so check it out two great docs Yay. <laughs> How annoying is that? Is this gonna are you gonna have to delete all these things when that No, is? no, they are a part of this. Okay, good. All right. Moving on. Oh my god, we are number four. We are traveling down the top five. Number four, Veronica, lead us off. Uh my number four is support the girls. Uh already mentioned uh for its lead performance. I have nothing to add to that except ditto. Uh, but I thought the supporting performances were all wonderful. I thought this movie felt just like a very real slice of life. I I know I keep saying that about several movies, uh, but yeah, I really, I did really like these characters. I think there is a worse version of this movie where they are caricatures and they're being made fun of for what they do, which is working at a Hooters and being airheads which they are not, they are, those characters are far deeper than that. Just, yeah, just like a lot of just the very nice things that those characters do for each other throughout the movie. Uh, not just Regina Hall's character, others as well. And yeah, it just, I don't know, it warmed my heart. It was really, really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. My number four is Eighth Grade. Uh, uh, Bo Burnham's uh, uh, directorial debut, right? Yes. Other uh, than, I guess, the specials that he directed. Oh, yeah, yeah the stand-up specials. Um, and the Chris Rock stand-up specials. Well, yeah, I said stand-up specials. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant his own. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is Chris Rock's stand-up special not a stand <laughs> Anyway. Well, it's a stand-up okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I thought this was, you know... Uh, when when the trailer for this first came out, I was like, "Boy, is that not something I need to see?" Um, uh, but it was, and, you know, similar to uh, support the girls. It was just a slice of life in the best way. Um, the find of the lead actress, who name I forgot, Elsie uh, Fisher. Oh, well, thank you. I like uh, that. <laughs> she she is wonderful. And um, from the very first uh, little vlog monologue she gives, you can tell how uh, how she's not just one of these like child actors who they just captured kind of living in the right way and they coax it out. She's clearly delivering a performance. But as great as she is, I don't I don't think enough can be said about um, uh, the heartfelt, empathetic writing and direction of Bo Burnham. Uh, and he's younger than me, so he can fucking die. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, but yes, my number four, eighth grade. <laughs> Moving on, John. Take that energy and use it for your number three pick. Well, like you said, uh, it's support the girls. Yay. Um, I really love this movie. I'm a huge fan of Bajowski, and um, uh, we've talked about this movie a lot already, um, probably more than any <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> although obama had it in his top 15 oh, fucking obama knows what's up 
He also has burning, so he can go <laughs> fuck himself. <laughs> um, this movie's so great. A few years ago, um, uh, Bajowski made uh, uh, results. Um, Oof. Yeah, I, I liked it much more than you did. But um, coming after uh, Computer Chess, which was such a weird movie that I loved, Results was his first uh, uh, foray into like doing like a movie that looks and feels like it should just be like a mainstream comedy, has like a premise that feels like it should be a dumber movie. That one is about the kind of the romantic foibles of people who work at a strip mall gym. Um, and then this is, you know, similar. This is about just the struggles of people working at Hooters restaurant. These both premises feel like they should be like waiting or something. Um, but uh, while results, I thought didn't fully come together despite the wonderful lead performances. Um, this one really, I, this one was just so great. This, by the end of the movie, I just loved these characters so, so much. Uh, it's a great movie and people should see it. Yay. Uh, it's now on Hulu. That's how I Ooh. saw it a few days ago. Uh, my number three pick is a bummer of a movie called oh, no. Cold War. <laughs> it's a movie in black and white in, I think, square aspect ratio, not even four by three. And it's in Polish, but it's uh, beautiful. Um, it's by the director of Ida, Paweł Pawlachewski. I believe is the I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. Um, yeah, it's about two people who should probably not be together, but they keep gravitating towards each other. And Cold War is in the title, but the Cold War is really not the thing keeping them apart. It is their incompatibility and even though they just can't seem to get enough of each other. It's super sad. <laughs> it talks about ambition, artistic ambition, and jealousy, and just love, and lust, and depression, and communism, and Poland in the 50s and 60s. Uh, it's very short in case you don't really want to see it or are on the fence about it. <laughs> Check it out. It's great. It will be well worth your time. I Yeah, I guess like that's kind of a selling point for a movie that you're like, oh, this is going to be hard to watch. It's pretty short. <laughs> it's not hard to watch. It's like it's not that depressing. It just made me like I kind of I don't know. I, I had like a very emotional reaction to it. <laughs> I will probably never see it again. But the one time I saw it was. A very good experience. All right. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, we are. Can you believe it? We're at number two. All right. Uh, so my number two is another black and white movie. It is Alfonso Cuarón's Roma. Uh, his retelling uh, of, I guess not retelling, but a journey back and a, a sort of an imagining of what perhaps... It's an ode, I guess, to his uh, primarily caretaker as a child. But it is a story about her and about the family that she works uh, for. And again, it's beautiful and sad. And at times it's funny. It's very human. Um, I read a lot of the people. People love it, that movie, for the most part, but there is criticism about it, about how, like, 
uh, how perhaps the how he shortchanges the lead character. But I feel like that's actually on purpose because it is meant to tell a story from the limited point of view that he had perhaps as a child into her life. So I think what we don't know about the character is sort of intentional because it is coming from this position of trying to recreate a thing that he was not necessarily there for. Um, But yeah, just like it's a gorgeous movie. The sound design of that movie is amazing it's like all immersive and just seeing it and there's so many like there's so much depth to so many shots like there's there's scenes where you're like how did he film this even though it's a movie it's a very small story it does take place during a turbulent time in mexico uh so yeah just like the depth of his frame was also astounding uh so yeah really liked it (laughs) all right great uh my number two um also available on netflix uh is the ballad of buster scruggs yay um i uh really uh love this it's an anthology so it's easy to like for people to be like oh i like that part and i didn't like that part um uh overall you know there are some parts that i liked more than others but it's just a movie that i kept thinking about and over the holidays i rewatched it with people and i was so happy to rewatch it even though oh, i watched nice. it the first time about a month ago um, I just, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of the Coens and, uh, yeah, I just, I just really love so much of this movie. I love the way it looks. I love the themes they tackle. Um, and I, I had just finished Red Dead Redemption 2, so I was ready for some more Western stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's a, it's a really great movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's really, I, it's not in my top 10, but I really enjoyed it. Mostly, their mortal remains that was my wow favorite. that's so that's one of my least favorite really i i think for me it's mortal remains the the meal ticket and mm. then uh ballad of buster scruggs those would be my top three mine would be the ballad ballad of buster scruggs followed by um and sometimes switching places with uh the girl who got rattled followed by meal ticket cool meal ticket and Ballad of Buster Scrubs. We, well, Scrubs. Yeah. we agree on those. What are, what are the other ones? It's The Mortal Remains. Um, There's the Tom James Waits Franco one. one. Oh, James the Franco. Tom Waits one would be next. And then... Uh, I they, thought that one breaks the rules, though. So I did not rules? appreciate it. Uh, that, I guess... Can I spoil? I guess. Let's spoil. We spoiled Hereditary. Oh, because but, it has a happy ending? Well, it has, like, the main character dies in every... Uh, other of those except for that one so it almost like it breaks that pattern but i don't know that that's a reason not to like it i, I just <laughs> i i just connected to it less um all right Thanks. all right uh so as another interlude dear listener yeah here's a, now this is more the style of our show yeah let, let's we can't we can't really neglect the our origins <laughs> Of, I guess, shitting on movies. Um, um, yes, to be clear, though. Oh, one of mine is something we've watched for the podcast. One of mine is as well. These Two are, of mine are. Our three least favorite movies of the year. And I think we will be counting. Is this up or down? We'll start at three. Yeah. Three being the least bad and number one being the worst of the worst. Oh, they're all bad. They're all bad. <laughs> but this is this is we're getting worse as we go. 
True. Uh, and then we will return to, uh, to finish off our top uh, 10 with our number ones. But first, for little shit breath men, a little <laughs> palate fucker upper, here's our lowest three. And I'm, I'll am i start number three. Um, we did not see Aquaman uh, this week because um, we're doing this episode. But don't worry, audience. Uh, we did, for some reason, decide to go see a movie we knew we wouldn't like. That movie was Holmes and Watson, the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley film. Um, It's very, it's fascinatingly bad. This is why it's number three. It's terrible, but almost in a, a, it's fascinatingly bad in a, what were they thinking? What were they going for in so much of this? Um, But yeah, it's very bad. Uh, Yeah, I agree. (laughs) My number three is The Predator. Oh. Uh, it's the movie we could have watched for the podcast, and we did for the pilot of that we never distributed. Uh, yeah, that movie makes no sense. <laughs> it was such a big disappointment. You don't know where things are going from scene to scene because a lot of stuff got lost in the editing. Yeah, just like a big bummer of a disappointment of a movie, I guess. So those are two um, uh, uh, fairly inept movies that just fell apart. Yeah. Um, Uh, I guess my number two pick is another one like that. It is Night School. (laughs) Another movie we saw for the podcast. Um, Yeah, it was just, I mean, you know what? For a comedy, the main criticism is always going to be, it's not funny. Uh, So yeah, it's just, it wasn't funny. It was two hours, which is should not be allowed for a comedy. <laughs> uh, also shoddily edited. There is a high scene that goes on for what feels like 30 minutes. And but makes... hey, it must have a purpose in the plot. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, and I believe after the next scene, the person who fell, fell on their back from several stories... Oh, and clearly shattered their arm. Yeah, is okay. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that that is how much the makers of that movie cared about you, dear audience. Yeah, the Predator and Night School were both very bad, but for whatever reason, neither made me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two and number one movies made me genuinely angry. The number two, I we watched for this podcast. Fuck you, it's the Grinch. <laughs> oh, fuck the Grinch! What a stupid fucking movie. Oh boy, just a terrible commercial product adapting a well-known property, not taking any effort to tack, to explore either the point of that story or the things that make that story fun. Uh, the kind of movie that goes, hey, let's get Bender Cumberbatch to do a voice and then have him do American accent. Hey, let's get the Grinch, but make him not mean. <laughs> God, this was stupid. I didn't like the way it looked. It just sucked all the way. What's your number one? Do you have a number two? Oh, you already did it. Yeah. Okay. My number one, as as shitty as the Grinch is, my number one I saw, not for this podcast and not and not with you, I saw with some friends in back Whoa. in the spring. You see movies without me? I know. Can you believe? Well, this one you're not going to feel bad about. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. This was in the summer. I saw it with a group of people. Um we walked out of the theater and just talked on the sidewalk for 30 minutes. And then multiple people we know walked by and jo- and we just grabbed them and pulled them into the conversation to scream about how offensively awful this movie is. 
I'm of course talking about one of the fucking worst blockbusters ever made, Jurassic Park, col- Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom. Now I want to be clear because we didn't do this for this podcast. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is much better directed than Jurassic World. It is a different director. It is a competent director. But the script is even worse. And I think the fact that it's better directed actually makes it more hateful to watch. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but there's something about the uh, uh, good visuals matched with some of the dumbest fucking writing ever on human earth that is just so hateful All I'll say is there is a scene where Chris Pratt screams at a villain and says something like, with all this money, you could have cured, with all these millions of dollars, you could have cured cancer and you just made evil dinosaurs. And I I wanted to scream at the movie, hey, movie that spent hundreds of million dollars but couldn't get a fucking script, glass fucking houses. Fuck this movie. Its entire ad campaign was based around the supposed love we, the audience, have for Blue the Velociraptor. Oh, fuck the Jurassic World movies so much. They're so terrible. Oh, boy. I wish I had as passionate a uh, tirade to give about Holmes and Watson, <laughs> which is my number one pick. Yeah, I guess, like, ditto to everything you said. Uh like no one really seems to be trying in this movie. It's I think just, John C. Reilly was trying, yeah, John, which actually was sad. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the, because John C. Riley is kind of trying, it makes especially Will Ferrell just look so lazy. Um, why is Stephen Coogan and Rob Brighton in this movie when they have zero jokes? And why is Kelly McDonald in this movie? Like, everyone deserves better. Why are they fucking almost killing the queen then spend, like, five minutes batting her about like she's a fucking doll, including, like, trying to stuff her inside a chest and fuck her in the ass? That movie is... So fucking dumb. Uh, yeah, anyway, it was terrible. I really wanted to like it because I like both of those. <laughs> everyone. I like everyone in this movie in other movies. And uh, I blame England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we need... Because we, we did just watch this. and We're not going to do an episode of this because America, as, as terrible as America's taste is, they knew to steer clear of this one. Um, uh, you mentioned Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald, the wonderful Scottish actress, She's plays so good. In she other plays things. Mrs. Hudson, the classic Sherlock Holmes character of the landlady. Uh, the joke in this movie is that she's a whore. Yeah, she's young and she's a whore, and I guess she fucks Albert Einstein, but yeah, they, that sort of gets cut. They clearly <laughs> cut all of her jokes, but they couldn't cut them all because spoilers: she's the villain for no reason. She's also attempting to sing the Titanic, which apparently <laughs> coexisted with Queen Victoria. Oh, there! Just <laughs> for an example of how bad this movie is. Uh, at the end, they save everyone on a boat, but then they reveal that the boat is actually the Titanic, so saving them was worthless. Just kidding, that's not how the joke is done. <laughs> they reveal that it's the Titanic first, and then save everyone. How was this comedy made? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right. Oh, that was so a refresher. That, that, was that, a... Was a, that was a good release. <sighs> let's, really, let's really change things up. 
Yeah. Uh, we are here at the end. This is our number one favorite movie of the year. All right. Do you want to go first? Um, sure, I will go first. Uh, mine is a comedy. It's a very dark comedy. It's something you've already talked about. Oh, baby. It is Death of Stalin. Full circle. Um, also on Obama's list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, Death of Stalin. Uh, everything you said is true. Uh, it's an uh, Armando Iannucci movie. I think I want to point out is so... One thing that's really interesting about this movie is that it is a comedy about a very unfunny subject, but for some reason, somehow, taking making it a comedy actually highlights the feelings in uh, uh, in the movie. So the, uh, Iannucci is really trying to get out the awful fear of all these characters that at any moment they could say the wrong thing or be get be put on the wrong list and uh-huh. just be taken out back and vanished for all eternity. And somehow doing that story in the style of a comedy where there are jokes and then in the background, if someone says like the wrong punchline, they just get shot in the head. Actually, in some ways you'd think it would trivialize the horror, but it actually brings the horror out in stark relief. It, this movie was so funny the whole way through and also just terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how they um, how they did that, but it really is. It's uh, it was a, a great movie. It was an amazing movie. I want you to check it out. Yeah, that movie is super great. I saw it twice. The second time I saw it with my mom who lived through oh. communist Russia. She was born a year after Stalin died. Okay, I actually... What did she what was her did she have any uh interesting Well, she so my grandpa's dad was sent to a gulag by Stalin because basically Stalin purged everyone who was semi-literate and could pose a threat. So we kind of have like a personal connection to that story. But my mom was like, yep, this is right. <laughs> Way to brag that uh, your great grandfather could read Veronica. Yeah. Um, but I know uh, she she uh, she liked it. Yeah, she enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I, I don't know that she found it like as deep that as we might have had, because I think like she see- has seen like so many depictions of this before, but she did like it. Yeah. Um, and she like kept like mentioning things throughout. So that was that was kind of a cool experience. Uh, my number one is eighth grade. Oh. Uh, yeah. Walking out of that theater, seeing eighth grade. I said to my friends, uh, Bo Burnham made a perfect movie. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, this is the best movie ever made. But in a sense of like. He captured perfectly what I can only imagine he set out to capture. Uh, every he was actually trying to make a dinosaur movie, oh, so no. he really he really fucked up. Oh, he wanted to make Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but it, it felt like every piece felt real. Every, I mean, obviously, I was in eighth grade and a girl at one point, <laughs> so I felt it. Uh, yeah, it everything felt real, even. Though I did not live with social media back then, and I'm so thankful for that. All that stuff felt like super true and real and not condescending and not cutesy and not comedically exaggerated in any way. Uh, Kayla's relationship with her dad was absolutely beautiful. Love that relationship. That was so, uh, so good. 
like all the awkwardness that she lives through was just heartbreaking and relatable and on some level funny but always with like just a tinge of sadness mm. um yeah and like her performance is flawless it it didn't feel like it almost didn't feel like a performance and which makes it seem like this was like such a great performance cuz she was so just real and human and those huge eyes <laughs> like she has like the biggest eyes and you just want to protect her um her also relationship with the nerdy awkward kid oh, yeah. was absolutely adorable yeah it was just that movie was so great made me feel so many feelings yeah uh, er- and i loved it everything at uh the pool party was a close runner-up for my favorite scenes the oh yeah the just the walk to the pool is uh, just uh, great. I like to think that the little girl from eighth grade and the little girl from uh, Hereditary are best friends, uh, <laughs> and that they're both actually uh, reincarnated demons. Um, that's the other. That's the twist ending to eighth grade. Um, all right. Well, what all in all would you say? Twenty was twenty eighteen a good year for movies? Uh, it was. I would say it's not as strong as last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a good year and I saw a lot of like interesting small movies that I didn't expect to like and I did. So that was yeah. good. Is there anything that, um, uh, you haven't seen yet that you are, uh, uh, regretting or eager to see? Uh, so I still need to see Vice. I'm pretty sure I would not like it that much. I saw it. It's fine but then again you liked the big short more than me and yes it's that's true very similar so you might like this more than me and i want to see the skating documentary mining the gap oh. i heard good things about it what about you um i still haven't seen if a uh, bill street can talk i really want to see Ooh, that it's quite good um and uh i've really been meaning to see um uh game night was that 2017 no that was 2018 um i keep meaning to see that i haven't seen it yet uh, I wanted to catch up with it the other day, but uh, this streaming thing didn't. Long fucking story. It's on HBO, but I watched my HBO on my PlayStation, but it's like our cable company. It's fucking annoying. Anyway, instead, we watch uh, Happy Death Day. Uh, Was that good? Happy Death Day. It's that's a 2017 movie, but whatever. Uh, I'll talk about it now. Anyway, Happy Death Day is very fun for a lot of it really kind of falls apart in the end. I think a lot of that apparently have to do with uh, reshoots, although I watched the alternate ending and no shit the audiences didn't like it. It is one of the most unsatisfying <laughs> endings I've ever seen. Um, but um, uh, as much as it's just kind of... it, I don't think it goes enough with the horror potential. I think the PG-13 kind of restricted it, but the performance by the lead actress is so good that she really carries the movie that's fun yeah well as the last thing john are there any other movies who didn't make your top 10 that you want to shout out about oh oh my god oh my god quick i i will start off since i have some at the ready okay i'm just gonna rattle off some names but i'm gonna say you were never really here Mm. is um it's a very very good movie it's kind of ruthless and very uncomfortable and has some very intense scenes, but the performances, the music, and one specific scene that is shot from the perspective of surveillance cameras is one another highlight uh, of the year for me. 
Uh, First Reformed is uh, another bummer of a movie that is I did not really expect to like as much as I did. Ethan Hawke's performance is amazing. And that, too, takes a turn for magical realism in ways that you might not expect. Which movie? Uh, First Reformed. Oh. Uh, yeah, If Beale Street Could Talk is another great one with great score and performances. It's kind of devastating, too. And for a fun one, check out The Incredibles 2. That movie, I really enjoyed it. Uh, very nearly my the tie, I want to say. My tie for most disappointing. Aww. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, well, the one I should mention, because I just realized I meant to put in my top 10 and then forgot Annihilation. Oh, that movie. Uh, I like that it was made, but I didn't really enjoy it that much. I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I, uh, love the visuals. I like Alec Garland a lot. Um, Avengers Infinity War. Feel good that I forgot about it. Um, (laughs) Uh, Mandy. Um, I think Ma- the the another runner up for scene of the year is the chainsaw fight in Mandy or the bathroom scene in Mandy. Um, I love the soundtrack to that movie. Uh, if that movie had had one or two more scenes like either of those scenes, I think it would have easily. I think one or I think it would have easily made my top ten, but it was close. Um. Uh. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, I thought all the stuff involving the main characters was just a wonderful romantic comedy. I thought all the stuff that was included because it was in the book, I the fucking divorce storyline didn't work. Sorry, fans of the book and fans of that movie. It just didn't work. Uh, It it should have been better connected to the main characters to make it a movie. I know they're the main characters of the sequel, but it didn't work. Sorry. Um... (laughs) Uh, and on a positive note, <laughs> um, uh, Suspiria was great. The Sisters Brothers was uh, fun. Um, and then uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor was very nice. Yay. Oh, and one more. One of my favorite movie experiences of the year. Tyler Perry's Acrimony. <laughs> a movie that spends the whole time building sympathy for one character and then changes the dime and goes, oh, s- twist. She's the villain. Oh, man. Can't wait to not see that. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the pod. We are going to hop on right in back to our time machine uh, until next episode. Yeah. Maybe Aquaman will hold on for two more weeks and we will have to see all two and a half hours of it. Oh, boy. (laughs) But on the bright side, we spent all this time and did not mention blockers. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>